Are you following me? Okay, so they are persecuting these Gentile Christians for the simple fact that they are not circumcised, okay? And so now it's got the, the Gentile Christians all riled up because they're like, man, we done went and we gave our life to the Lord. We're saved. We thought we're saved. But now you've got these guys that are telling us no, that we're not saved. So they're discouraged, amen? How many of you ever had somebody come up to you and tell you you ain't worshiping God the right way? You had some Man, there's folks that would walk in this cowboy church and fall slap out at the back door. They got hats on up in there. What in the world are they doing? You got to respect God, amen? They got hats, they got boots. That preacher's got blue jeans up there preaching. See, that's how the religious folks get, amen? See, they let that religious stuff get in the way of their relationship. And all you need, brothers and sisters, is a relationship with Jesus Christ, amen? That's all you need for salvation, amen? So here Paul is having to send this letter to try to, to calm these Gentile Christians down and make them understand, hey, it's about your relationship with Jesus Christ. The priceless value of knowing Jesus Christ is what this small section of Scripture is entitled in my Bible. Now, first, I'm going to be coming out of NLT version tonight. That's what I use, okay? So what he's trying to tell them is, he's first of all, he's telling them, you don't need to be worrying about what they say. All that matters is that you know Jesus Christ. Amen? So that's kind of the, 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 the scripture, this portion of the scripture in summarized. And so what we're going to do tonight is just read it and then go over it and kind of discuss it a little bit and show you how these scriptures can apply to our lives today. Amen. How many of you believe that when you read your Bible, you can apply it to your life today? Amen. So look with me and... I'm going to read the whole scriptures and then we're going to go back through it. I got about 7.30 on my clock. That's a couple minutes fast, so we're going by my clock, okay? So 7.30, and I'm going to try to be done here in about 20 minutes or so because I don't know if Pastor Mark's going to be. Anyway, time to stop chasing rabbit. All right. Number one, chapter three. Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, um, Rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. Watch out for those dogs, those people who, with, uh, who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us Watch this, we put no confidence in human effort. Amen? Verse 4 says, Though I could have confidence in my own effort, if anyone could, indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew, if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded uh, the strictest following obedience to the Jewish law. 
I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church, and as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. Seven says, I once thought that these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Eight says, yes, everything is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with Him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's ways of making us right with Himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the, the mighty power that raised Him from the dead. I want to suffer with Him, sharing in His death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Amen? Amen. So we're going to go back, we're going to turn back on verse 1, and we're going to go and study through it all. Amen? And try to talk about this tonight and try to apply it. First of all, what I want you to see right here is in verse 1, he says, whatever happens... Uh, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. So basically what he's telling them here in this first sentence is, is you need to just work, be glad that you got Jesus Christ. Amen? Don't worry about what's going on. Don't worry about your circumstances. Just rejoice in the Lord no matter what happens. People are going to come up against you, Brother Danny. Once they know you follow Jesus Christ, persecutors are coming after you the haters are coming after you the ones that that cause you a holy roller is coming after you amen but through all that persecution through all the trials through all the tribulations everything you have to go through you still need to rejoice because you have the lord jesus christ amen so that's what he's trying to do. First off, in the opening statement here, he, he tries to calm them down and give them words of encouragement by telling them whatever you're going through, rejoice in the Lord. Amen? Because he's going to take you through it, all right? And then he says, I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. Basically what he's saying is what any preacher likes to say. We love to get up here to preach, offer you the words of encouragement. You know... Uh, in the pulpit, the preachers, they always sound like they're repetitious, don't they, brother? You be like, one Sunday you go hear them talking about, don't do this, don't do that. Another week, there they go again, don't do this, don't do that. One week they'll say, whatever you're going through, the Lord's going to save you. Then the next week, the Lord's going to save you. It's repetitious. Well, they don't ever get tired of doing it in hopes that somebody will finally open up their eyes and realize that, the Lord is going to do what He says in the book. Amen? I think we spend most of our times as preachers trying to convince you that whatever's written in the Bible really is going to happen. Amen? So if you look at all the letters that Paul writes, they're kind of about the same way. They pretty much all say the same thing. So what he's saying here is, is I don't ever get tired in hopes that your faith will grow. Amen? That I'll safeguard your faith and keep you in Christ. Somebody here today might need to hear that 
whatever you're going through right now ain't no big deal for the Lord. Amen? You may be having all kind of stuff going on at home, and you got up here to church because you didn't know where to turn. Don't worry, the Lord's got you. He's going to bring you through it. Amen? That's the reason they get up here and preach. That's the reason they pour their heart out to you. They study so hard so that they can help you maintain your faith in God. Amen? So that's what Paul is telling them in the open statements. First of all, don't worry about it. you got God. And second of all, I'm here and I never get tired of telling you what to uh, preach to you so that you can maintain your faith in Christ. Amen? All that just out of one verse. Amen. Let's move on to verse 2. And watch what he says here. Watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. Now let's stop right there. Back in the old Jewish days, back in this time period of Paul, the see Paul right here is pretty much dissing the Jewish Christians. Amen. Turning it back on them because... They referred to the Gentiles as dogs, amen? So here Paul is talking about the Jewish Christians to the Gentiles, calling them dogs, amen? Turning it around on them, amen? And then he goes right here, uh, they were mutilators, they do evil, so something ain't right with them, okay? Obviously, when they went to give themselves to the Lord, prayed and asked Him to come in their heart, they didn't change their ways, amen. I think it's probably because they were still relying on their laws to get them saved, amen, and not the precious blood of Jesus Christ, amen. There ain't no other reason why I could think of that Paul would call them dogs, people that do evil, mutilators, if they weren't living the way they should be living, amen. He wouldn't have no right to uh, call them that, amen. So he points it out to them right here. Look, they're dogs. They're not doing right. So why do you want to listen to people like that? Dogs, amen? I lost my place. He says, for we who, verse 3 says, for uh, uh, we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. Amen? So here's where I want y'all to turn over to Genesis chapter 17. And we're going to look at verses uh, 9 through 14. And I want y'all to get a clear, perfect understanding of what circumcision truly meant. Don't have a lot of time, so I'm not going to wait. Amen? Yeah, write it down in your notes. Uh, Genesis 17 verse 9. Uh, through uh, uh, 14 here. He says, this is, uh, God is talking to Abraham, okay? Then God said to Abraham, your responsibility is to obey the terms of the covenant. You and all your descendants have this continual responsibility. This is the covenant that you and your descendants must keep. Each male among you must be circumcised. You must cut off the flesh of your foreskin as a sign of the covenant between me and you. From generation to generation, every male child must be circumcised on the eighth day after his birth. This applies not only to members of your family, but also the servants born in your household and the foreign-born servants whom you have purchased. 
All must be circumcised. Your bodies will bear, watch, listen, your bodies will bear the mark of my everlasting covenant. Any male who fails to be circumcised will be cut off from the covenant family for breaking the covenant. Okay, so that's why the Jewish thought it was so important that they got circumcised, the Gentiles, okay? Because in their, their laws, their beliefs, if you were not circumcised, you were not God's people. And if you were not God's people, how could you be saved? Amen? So this is, they're, they're mixed up. They're still caught up in the old laws. They don't want to give it up. Amen? And they, they're trying to get the, the Gentile Christians to come with them. Amen? So Paul says right here, watch what he says. For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. Okay? So, so what did we just read? What does circumcision, what is it, what is it, what is circumcision in your own words? It's a mark, a sign of the covenant of God. Basically, their body is marked as a, a, a God's people, right? So, Paul, he says right here, that don't matter. He says, for we who worship by the Spirit of God, what is the Spirit of God? The Holy Spirit, right? Do y'all agree with that? The Spirit of God is the Holy Spirit, right? And he says the ones, we are the ones who are truly circumcised, amen? In other words, God recognizes them through the Holy Spirit that's inside of them and to, in God's eyes, they are circumcised. They are His people because He recognizes the Holy Spirit that's in them. Amen? So this, when this happens, they don't need to be the, the, the physical thing. Amen? Right? Y'all understand that? Or y'all agreeing with me? And then watch what He goes on to tell them. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. Amen? There ain't nothing you can do to get you saved. Amen? You could go build a million dollar church, feed a thousand homeless people on the street every day. You could donate all your time, all your life to helping people in the church or wherever you want to help them out. But if you don't have the Holy Spirit, if you've never prayed, ask Jesus Christ to save you, to come into your life, and that Holy Spirit is not in you, you're not going to get saved. Your works will never get you to heaven. You cannot work your way to heaven. Amen? He says, so they think that just by doing all this ritualistic stuff, they're going to heaven still. And Paul tells them, no, what? We rely on Jesus Christ, Matt. No human efforts, amen? And then he goes on and he starts giving a little bit of his testimony here in verse 4. He says, Though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could, indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. Watch what he tells them right here. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. 
I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church, and as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. Amen? So, man, he is the picture person. If, if, if they wanted to, to uh, put in the Webster's Dictionary a Jew, a, a, a devout Jew, they should have took a picture of Paul and posted it right there. Amen? Under the definition of a Jew. Because he was the most perfect Jew you could ever be. Amen? But how many of y'all here tonight know what God did to, Jew, to, to that perfect Jew? on that road to Damascus. I don't got time to get into it. But he killed the Christians. He loved it. He did it with zeal is what he said, Brother Tom. He's zealous. That means you do something with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your body. Is When you do stuff like that, you're doing it with zeal. So he zealously persecuted the Christians. Amen. Why? Because he thought they weren't living right. He really thought that they were following the wrong ways of living. Amen? And he done got caught up in the, the religious aspect of everything of life. Amen? See, guys, that's what we've got to be careful about tonight. I don't want anybody here to ever start getting caught up in the religious aspects of your Christianity. Amen? Because it ain't going to take much to blind you from your relationship with the Lord. Once you start worrying about that religion stuff, amen. And a lot of people in today's world are worried about all this religious stuff, and they ain't letting, they're letting it stand in the way of their relationship with the Lord. And what's even worse is they're letting it get in the way of their loved one's relationship with the Lord, amen. There ain't no telling how many Christians done went to church and got, you know, got right with the Lord and everything and was about ready to start doing right. And some old religious person came up and said, well, do they got this at that church? No. Do they got that at that church? No. Well, you need to stay away from that church. They ain't right. Let me tell you something. If you go to a church, all you need to have is you need to feel the Holy Spirit in that church. And when you feel the Holy Spirit in that church, when that preacher is coming out of the Word of God, then that's where you need to be, amen? Don't let nobody tell you just because they don't light five candles this way on Saturday or Monday or whatever that you ain't right. Don't let nobody tell you just because you don't go sit and talk to a man with a speaker to t pray to God for you. That ain't the right way. Don't let nobody come up here and tell you that, that we don't jump off the the stage and speak in tongues and make people fall out, that ain't the right. That's a lie from the devil, amen? All that matters if you come and you sit down in a church and you feel the Holy Spirit in your heart, in your mind, and you feel comfortable, if you feel peace, comfort, then you know He's there and that's all that matters. I had a lady come into my office one time, sit down, and said, I thought I was coming to a Baptist church. I know this might get back, but I'm all right with it. I thought I was coming to a Baptist church. I said, well, yeah, that's what the sign says out there. It says Baptist church. Well, y'all ain't got deacons. Well, I just got here. I'm trying to get people built up that I could. Well, where's your bylaws? Well, I don't know. We got to get that wrote too. 
well, I just don't know if we can stay in this church here. I said, ma'am, do you know, do you feel the Holy Spirit when I preach? I mean, do you feel God speaking to you? Well, yeah, I feel all that, but I just don't think we can stay here. This is not, I thought I was coming to a traditional Baptist church. And I'm like, well, I don't know, it's between you and the Lord. But how can you tell somebody you feel the Spirit, but because they ain't got all this and they ain't got all that, that you can't stay there no more? Amen? So this is what was happening here. They, they done got caught up in the religious aspect, and they were trying to detour these uh, Gentile Christians and make them think that they weren't saved simply because they weren't following their laws and their rituals. Amen? And so Paul told them, if anybody should still think that you've got to be that way, it's me because I'm a devout Jew, a more of a Jew than anybody's ever been a Jew. Oh, but here's where it gets exciting, folks. I wish we had another 30 minutes. Going on to verse 7, he said, I once thought that these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Amen. How many of you here tonight Consider your old lifestyle worthless because of what Christ has done. Come on, somebody. Amen. Then he says right here in verse 8, all we about to preach now. Hallelujah. Right here is where the sermon comes out, guys. In verse 8 he says, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Amen. How many of you here know that you're you cannot put a value on your relationship with the Lord. Amen. How many of you know that no matter what somebody offers you, it is not worth not having a relationship with Jesus Christ? And if so many people believe that, if so many people in the church would believe that, how can one night of partying, how can one night of shooting up a little bit of drugs, how can... One night of hanging out with your homeboys, get you away from him. You ain't got no infinite value on your relationship with Jesus Christ. How can somebody say that when they'll turn their Lord and Savior down for a drop to drink? They'll turn their Lord and Savior down for a doobie. I, I remember them old terminologies, amen. How can somebody turn their Lord and Savior down for all that stuff, the things of the world, and then turn around and say they consider their relationship an infinite value with Jesus Christ? They don't. Amen? They're mistaken. Their heart's not right. And to be honest, I don't know if they really got saved because in the beginning, it said he said that we worship with our heart, with our circumcision and circumcision in their heart with the Spirit of God, amen, the Holy Spirit. So I don't know if that Holy Spirit ever really truly got to them, amen. All right, and then watch this. Oh, it's getting harder and deeper real quick, amen. He said, for his sake I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so what I could gain Christ, amen. Guys, if you want a good, true relationship with your Lord and Savior, you've got to get rid of everything. Count it all garbage so that you can gain Jesus Christ. Amen? 
Don't, yeah, you can clap. That's good. Some people need to hear that. It's time to get rid of all that stuff. If you're going to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, Paul did it. He was the most devout Jew. He was a Pharisee. He was high up on the rungs of the ladder. Everybody knew him as a famous man. And he laid it all down on the line so that he could gain Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus flipped him around, did a 180 on him, and he became the most powerful man of God of his time. Amen. And he was the one that was killing everybody. That's how Jesus worked, Miss Glenda. He wants to take the drug addicts, the, the alcoholics. Half of this room right here was either an alcoholic or a drug addict. Amen? I guarantee that. I ain't going to ask you to raise no hand because I already know. And if you wasn't that, you was a liar, a cheater, a stealer, something, a, 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 a pro, a, what do you call that? That's the right word. I don't want to say the wrong word. Prostitute, amen. Uh, all these things, you was all of that, but you laid it all down to come for the Christ, amen. And you counted it all as garbage, just like Paul did, amen. He said, I wanted to become one with him. He said, I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law, rather, I become righteous through uh, faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith amen how many of you can say right here you got strong faith in the lord amen the lord don't really want to uh can't use you a whole lot he and everything to he knows that you got faith because if you don't got faith as soon as things go south you're going to be out amen just like those ones that went to hang out with their homeboys and never came back amen they didn't have no kind of faith, amen? Or when the bills get too much, if this is a Christian life, I don't want it no more. Or something goes wrong with your kid. Well, Lord, you let her do that. Why am I here? Well, you ain't got no faith, amen? So you got to have the faith in here to make us right with Him, depending on His faith. Then in verse 10, we're almost done. He says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised Him from the dead. What's that mighty power that raised him from the dead? It's the Holy Spirit living in you, amen. When he died in that tomb and he got put in that tomb for three days and he was raised from the dead, who did that? God raised him from the dead, amen. Don't you want to experience God? How many here tonight wants to experience God? Raise your, amen, everybody. He raised him from the dead. The tomb couldn't hold him. The grave couldn't keep him. He was alive and well. Amen. Said I, and then he goes, watch this though. Oh yeah. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. What does that mean? If I got to die for him, I'll die for him. And, and if you read later on, Paul did die for Christ. Amen. He went through ten times worse persecution than what he gave to people. Amen. For Christ's sake, amen. And he was a devout Christian, amen. How many of us tonight can be a devout Christian? Amen. So he wanted to die for him. Not only uh, mortar, you know, what do they call that where they kill you for Christ, but also it's kind of speaking about we got to die to our flesh, amen. Die to the, way, of the ways of living that we want to so we can be with Christ. And then finally in verse 11 he says, So that one way or the other 
I will experience the resur- that resurrection from the dead. Amen? That resurrection, my fr- brothers and sisters, can y'all play that music? That resurrection is something that we could all have. Amen? That resurrection is when you go down and you, you offer your heart to the Lord and you ask Him to come in and save you, you're going to be resurrected from your dead body. Amen. Right now, if you haven't ever prayed and asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart and save you, you're dead right now, eternally. But if you'll ask Him to come into your heart and save you, you'll be resurrected from the dead just like Jesus Christ did eternally. Amen. Everybody bow your heads, close your eyes. Maybe you're here tonight. Maybe something's going on at home. I don't know. Maybe things just ain't been going right. I was reading just this past weekend in Zechariah chapter 1, a little verse that spoke loud and clear to my heart. I was out in a cow pasture in Longville, Louisiana, with nothing but the wind blowing, real quiet, just a little slight wind. And I read this verse and it said that tell the people, God spoke to Zachariah and told him to tell the people that if they'll return to me, I'll return to you. Amen. Maybe somebody's here tonight that needs to be returning back to the Lord and he'll return to them. Maybe you got stuff going on at home. I don't know. Right now we can open up the altar. Nobody's looking. You can come down here and you can pray to the Lord. It's between you and Him. Right now, come up. If you want to come and pray and talk to the Lord, the altar is wide open for you, waiting for you. Tonight, I don't know if you're here and you've never prayed and asked Jesus Christ to come into your life and you don't have that priceless relationship with Him that Paul was talking about here. Well, tonight can be the night that you gain that priceless relationship with Him. All you have to do is right where you're at, sit, and not going to call you up and ask you to come out of your chair. Just repeat after me silently and say, Jesus, I know I... And today I want to ask you to forgive me of my sins. Jesus, I want to experience this priceless relationship that Paul was talking about here to these Gentile Christians, Lord. I want to make you my personal Lord and Savior tonight. Tonight I ask you to come into my heart and save you, Jesus. Save me, Jesus. In your name I pray, every head bowed and every eye closed. If somebody here tonight prayed that prayer, slip up a hand where you're at and just let me see Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Father, tonight, I know they don't want to come to the altar, and that's okay. But right where they're at, they can sit right now and get right with you in their seat. If you're here tonight and you'd like to just reconnect with the Lord and answer that call where He says, if you'll come return to me, I'll return to you. You're already saved. You've prayed the prayer of salvation but you've just gotten away over the years, over the days, over the weeks. And you want to really experience and let the Lord know that your relationship with Him is priceless 
and very valuable to you. More worthy than diamonds or gold. Just pray this prayer. Say, Lord, I know I haven't been living the way I should lately. But tonight, Lord, I want you to know my relationship with you is more valuable than anything in this earth. And tonight, Lord, I want to come back to you. Tonight, I want to rededicate myself to you. So please forgive me. And tonight, I rededicate myself to you. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If somebody prayed that prayer, slip up a hand right where you're at. Let me see. Hallelujah. All over. Praise God. Father, we thank you for this time we've had tonight. And Lord, I just thank you for one more opportunity to get up here and preach the word, Lord. There's no greater joy than getting up here, Father, and getting able to tell a message to people for you, Father. And it ain't all about me, Lord. It's, I want you to hide me behind the cross, and I want you to receive all the honor and the glory. I thank you for allowing me to do that one more time for you. Father, tonight as we get ready to uh, close out, if there's somebody here that needs prayer, I just pray that you'll speak to their heart and tell them to come and see me or one of the elders here and just ask somebody to come and pray with them. We'd all be glad to do that. Father, I thank you for the time we've had. In your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. Brother Danny, would you close us out tonight? Sir? Just one more thing before Danny closes.